Hey everybody, this is Matt Hardman once again with the Race Nerd Podcast. Uh, welcome. Um, we've got a not a super long show, um, but once again, I appreciate you for tuning in. Um, those of you who found our first episode on through the CKCC Radio, um, wherever you listen that to, whether it's. Um, Stitcher, Pandora, um, Google, uh, iTunes, thank you and welcome. Um, Welcome all you uh, CKCC radio followers um, who are also checking out the show for the first time and and all. And, you know, we promised to do a little little extra stuff. Um, We got a couple... Of surprises for the Patreons. Um, I've actually re- previously recorded one that will probably be up right before this episode. I've got two more that actually have been in the archives for quite a while. Um, so, with that said, we're actually I'm actually in the mobile studio right now. I am heading out and about in this crazy, crazy world, um, running errands like a madman. Um, So, we had Bristol, um, which was our last race weekend. Um, But before we get to Bristol, I do have a pop quiz nose for the week. Um, What driver is credited with um, giving Dale Earnhardt Incorporated, DEI, um, think about many, many of the moments that they've had throughout their um, successful but yet brief um, career, uh, all time in the sport, I should say. Um, Who was the first driver to score a top 10 for Dale Earnhardt Incorporated. Uh, the answer might surprise you. Um, I had actually had forgot about this little nugget until uh, early this week. And I and was reminded, and I thought it was a great trivia question to ask. Anyway, um, so we're talking about Bristol. Um, Bristol was, it always is a, a unique race, um, it's a three quarter mile oval with super, super high banking, it is super crazy, um, we had the cup series there on, um, for Sunday, then the Xfinity series on Monday. Uh, Brad Keselowski picked up the win, um, squeaking by as Joey Logano and Chase Elliott uh, got involved uh, with a little bit of a, um, uh, I don't want to use the term uh, slobber knocker because it really wasn't. Um, They got into a little bit of a ballyhoo on the final lap. Uh, which allowed Keselowski to win his second straight race. 
um, afterwards, um, there was a little bit of a heated argument, no, no physical contact, but a little bit of a discussion between Elliot and, um, and Logano, um, and as the whole thing, the whole set of events happened, they were battling for the lead, um, Logano, uh, had Chase come up into him, um, they both kind of went into the wall, um, afterwards, Logano, um, sought out Elliot, uh, to figure out what the hell was going on, anyway, long story short, I mean, it was, it was made out bigger than what it was, um, it certainly wasn't, you know, the end of the, 79 Daytona 500 where you see drivers throwing fists. Um, it wasn't a helmet throwing event. Uh, it was just, you know, a discussion. And to be honest and fair, um, a lot of people were bagging on Joey. A lot of people were bagging on Chase, uh, depending on what side of the fandom you stand on. Um, Logano has an as a thing for being a uppity jerk, um, always had been, you know, he's gotten into dust-ups with other drivers like Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick, two guys who are certainly Hall of Famers, and no doubt, um, Logano's career is heading that way, and Chase Elliott, who can do no wrong being the son of Bill Elliott, uh, driving for Hendrick Motorsports, um, a lot of Dale Jr.'s fans, once um, Jr. had retired, had migrated to Chase. So they were all, they think he's Redneck Jesus 2.0. Um, the thing is, it was just it was just a racing accident, you know. Uh, Elliot looked like he may have slipped up, got into Logano. Um, Logano really had nowhere to go. Um, but it was just one of those things. Um, the, um, the Xfinity race, which was held the next day, so a little bit of that between teammates as Noah Gregson had got into teammate uh, Justin Allgaier, um, battling for the lead in the very late stages of the race. Um, that one, eh, it was just hard racing. Um, I think a lot of people get down on Gregson going after, you know, the situation that he finds himself in. Um, coming up this weekend, we got, um, IndyCar making their season long, uh, their, their season opener at Texas Motor Speedway, minus the fans. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to it. Uh, something a little different than the NASCAR guys in IndyCar puts on a great show at Texas. Who could forget the the Texas race um, a couple years back with literally just the closest finish in IndyCar uh, history. And when I say that, that's a lot of history. Um, you know, where Graham Rahal uh, beat out uh, James Hinchcliffe in, in that race. Um, a race that was red flagged um, 
and I forget it was due to rain or due to something with the track, but it was 78 days between when they started that race and when they were able to finish it, just due to scheduling stuff. Um, but they were able to get back out to Texas to finish it, and oh boy, did they put an ending to that race. Um, one of the most amazing uh, finishes I'd seen, and, I, and I've seen a lot of racing um, through my years, but that was that was one hell of a race. Um, this is no shame to say I, I'm a fan of Graham Rahal, um, who... During the um, the pandemic, announced that him and his wife, uh, uh, not Ashley, Courtney Force, I don't know why I kept saying Ashley, uh, Courtney Force, uh, daughter of John Force and um, winner on the NHRA Funny Car Circuit, uh, are expecting their first child. So, props and congratulations to them. Um, that child is going to have the wildest family in the history of racing. Uh, the Ray Halls, uh, on, you know, obviously on their father's side. And <laughs> John Force and his wild family on uh, their mother. So th- this child is, it's, it's definitely going to have one hell of a racing heritage. Um, if it does grow up to be a racer. Um, but uh, with that said, you know, IndyCar, one of the things I'm looking at it this year is um, how is the new McLaren team going to take over as um, McLaren of the uh, F1 series had merged into a team with um, the Sam Schmidt um Peterson, uh, the Schmidt-Peterson racing team, um, how how everything's going to align there, um, as they're taking two rookies, uh, to, um, to in essence, um, start their, their return voyage in, um, U.S. open wheel racing, um, so, we have that story. We have Tony Kanaan, who uh, is cutting back um, after a long IndyCar career. The, uh, the former IndyCar champion and uh, former Daytona, uh, Indianapolis 500 winner, I apologize, um, will be cutting back and will actually be debuting uh, an old look going into this weekend uh, just for Texas as he will be sponsored by 7-Eleven, uh, the sponsor that was on his car when he was in his peak years uh, over at Andretti Autosport. Um, I think it's really cool. Um, TK was one of those guys I was either love or hate on him, um, but I can't think of better uh, a better driver during his period than the 7-Eleven years, but also at the same time, I love that 7-Eleven car. It was sharp. It was awesome looking. Um, I think they did a really cool job on it, and um, seeing it come back this year is amazing. Um, So, uh, NASCAR, 
they are, they are, um, I forget where they are this weekend. I'm dropping the ball, guys. I apologize. Um, they are somewhere this weekend. But, uh, a couple of interesting NASCAR notes, and, but we'll get to those. But first one we'll take care of the IndyCar one. Um, due to the pandemic, um, the IndyCar Companion Series, the Indy Lights, which is like a feeder series to IndyCar, um, has postponed their 2021 season, or their 2020 season, excuse me, um, and will return in 2021. I think not only because of the pandemic is this a great move, but also due to the, um, due to the simple fact that over the past couple of years, um, car counts have been dwindling in the series. I think at a low point, there were eight cars um, competing full time. So you really weren't having the, you were ha- still having some quality races. Um, I'm not gonna say that they weren't quality, but you weren't having um, the quality fields that you should. I mean, you can have great races between three drivers, but if there's only eight drivers in the field and they're eight laps back, then it's not that great. Um, so I think that's a good call. Um, Mr. Penske and the Brain Trust at IndyCar um, saw this as a great opportunity uh, with this pandemic to kind of pull the plug on the series for a season. You know, hopefully give it a reboot and all. But um, on the NASCAR side, um, they will be running a all-star race, which will take place July 13th, I believe. Um, I believe it's going to be a midweek race at Charlotte. Um, the um, Their all-star race is typically scheduled for the week before the Kook 600, so it would have been right around the first week they got back to racing. Um, But obviously, just getting cars on the track and just racing again was more important than holding an all-star race. Um, Also, it gives them time because a lot of times the all-star race is used as kind of an R&D as well, a research and development for, um, you know, things to look for on the cars next season and play with um, different setups like a couple of years ago was, um, I want to say bump stops and um, different wings and all to, you know, kind of keep the cars, you know, with speed, but also keep them safe and on the ground. Uh, so, um, I think that I think it's going to be a good thing, and I think also NASCAR and um, the city of Concord and everybody involved are hoping that by um, the, f- the middle of July that we will actually be able to have some fans uh, in the stands, as a lot of places are still unable to. Um, certain areas are able to open up. 
you know, like 25 fans or whatever the case is, 50 fans or whatever, you know, um, based on square footage. So, um, I think a lot of that has to do with, um, you know, where we are with this pandemic. Um, and one, one last thing before we go into our, the answer to our trivia question. Um, for the past couple of years now, there's been rumblings of NASCAR returning to um, Nashville, Tennessee. Um, last time a race had been held in Nashville, um, actually in the city grounds of Nashville, Tennessee, was 1984. Um, it was a race that was won um, in controversial fashion by Darrell Waltrip over his teammate Neil Bonnet. Um, scoring error um, gave initially gave Bonnet the win that was taken back away in victory lane and given to Waltrip uh, there's been a huge push in recent years and has been a lot of activity on um, the fairground speedway um Getting a NASCAR race back, as a lot of fans have clamored for, it's the perfect track um, for what the fans want. Um, unfortunately, different um, promoters taking over this idea, you know, Bristol Motor Speedway and um, Bruton Smith's company, um, SMI, have been, you know, involved with trying to bring this back. Um, Unfortunately, just things haven't worked out. But Nashville Super Speedway, which is just, I think, 30 or 40 minutes outside of um, outside of Nashville, is um, will be hosting a um, cup race in 2021. Uh, a track which, interesting enough, up until a couple of years ago, had been on the market and rumored to be... Um, on the market to be demolished, um, which is amazing when you think about it. Um, this track here was about to be sold and torn down because they did not get a cup date. Um, for the last four to a couple of years, um, the culture around um, tracks and all in NASCAR and the track contracts is changing. Um, They've moved the um, the championship awards banquet to um, to Nashville um, just last season. <coughs> they had um, had all all the plans in place to move to the Music City for a race. Um, some people even talking making it the season-ending race, which I don't think was going to happen right off. But you had all this talk. Unfortunately, everything fell through. But Nashville, inter, uh, Nashville Super Speedway, which is a 1.33 um, tri-oval, um, much like what uh, what we would call the cookie-cutter tracks. Um, they had um, all but shut down. Um, the track is owned by... The same company that owns um, Dover Down Speedway in Dover, Delaware, along with 
um, Worldwide Technology Speedway uh, just outside of St. Louis. Uh, the former Gateway Speedway. The um, the the track um, somehow uh, it's it's an available option. Um, Dover Motor Speedway will be losing one of its two NASCAR dates in 2021 which will go to Nashville. Um, we've talked about it in the past on previous episodes about tracks moving around dates and whatnot um, within, you know, their companies, you know, try to position themselves better. Um, moving one of the Dover races is a great idea. I think moving the fall race or keeping the fall race in where it's positioned in the schedule and the playoffs is a good would be a good move um no official announcement yet um but the contract with nashville super speedway is is a one-year deal which um looks like what all the tracks after the end of the season will be and they'll be on one year um they'll be on short-term deals um i don't see anything you know maybe like a three-year deal for some tracks some tracks They'll have one-year deals, but they're always going to renew them. Um, for those, I kind of see all the ISC tracks, um, majority of the SMI tracks. Where that leaves are tracks that are independent like that. Um, Dover, um, while they have those three tracks that I named, only Dover was on the schedule um, for this season and previous years. And, and Pocono is still a family-owned track, um, but where the Matoli family, um, the founders of the track, and um, current owners have a very, very close relationship with the France family, I don't see that track going anywhere. I see if they do anything, they'll continue on with uh, one race or maybe a doubleheader weekend, like was initially scheduled for um this year um it's going to be very interesting if they still do this double header at pocono with uh given the pandemic um because as we've seen with previous races there's like a couple of days turnaround um this will literally be race on a saturday bring your car in fix it up race again on sunday which I think is missing from the sport. And I think it's a very unique track to try that. So um, we'll see on all that. And then I'm excited for Nashville coming back. Um, I'm really excited for, for that Nashville area. You know, if they fought long and hard. Um, my only downside to this is we're not seeing it at the fairgrounds. We're seeing it at the super speedway, which don't knock me. The track is a little over 20 years old. Um, it's still got its original asphalt, hasn't been repaved, so it's worn. Um, it does need some cleaning up, um, which I'm assuming will be going on during this pandemic. Um, it's not in rough shape like uh, like a North Wilkesboro Speedway or getting a Nazareth Speedway um, up to racing competition, but um, it will be enough, you know, it's enough to actually make it a little bit of an underhand, uh, undertaking to do 
but um, you know that, that that's something really cool. We haven't had a new track join the series um, in about ten years, and that was Kentucky, and that was um, after a lot of litigation and sales and whatnot. As if, you, if um, for those of you who are longtime fans of NASCAR remember um, the original owners of Kentucky Motor Speedway had sued NASCAR um, to try to get a date uh, saying that it was a monopoly by ISC and NASCAR um, who control all the dates and SMI. Uh, eventually the ownership realizing that they weren't going to get a date especially going this lawsuit route um, had sold the track to SMI. Um, Bruton Smith was able to negotiate one of his track dates um, around, and a room was made on the schedule for Kentucky. Um, so it, it's been a while. It's been a while, especially during the the boom of the '90s, where we saw a lot of tracks pop up: Las Vegas, California. Um, Chicago, late 90s, early 2000s, I should say. Chicago, Kansas, um, New Hampshire, which had been the first track since to join the circuit since 1988 when um, uh, Sears Point, or what's now Sonoma Raceway, um, joined the, um, the schedule. So that's a big bit of good news um and it all ties in with our question when i asked who was the first ev who won the first ever top 10 for dei racing it's a man who is very synonymous with the city of nashville um coming from that area and racing on f the fairground speedway i believe if i remember right he made his debut his cup series debut at the nashville fairground speedway the one and only um, Daryl Waltrip. Um, Daryl was called in during the 1998 season to fill in for an injured uh, Steve Park. Park was a rookie at the time. This was a first-year team. Um, they had run a couple of races in previous seasons, but this is their first full-time effort with Pennzoil. Um, Waltrip knocked it out of the park as a substitute uh, with the highest finish of sixth. Um, unfortunately, the team did not have the means to run a two-car effort after Park's return, um, so Waltrip would go on to run. Initially, for the team that he owned and sold, he would go back to running that car uh, for the end of the season then would finish up with... Um, uh, Travis Carter's uh, Kmart car um, for the next two seasons until his retirement in 2000. Um, so that, that that's a interesting bit of trivia uh, that it wasn't Steve Park, their first full-time driver, or uh, Dale Jr., who is their most notable driver, or even Michael Waltrip, um, who was very close friends with Dale and picked to run oh, that third DEI car uh, that started in 2001, but was 
Michael's older brother, Daryl, um, who for a very short period of time resurrected his career in that number one Pennzoil Wrangler Chevrolet. Um, so, anyway, this is Matt Hardman. This is the Race Nerd Podcast. Um, thank you for listening. Um, check out other stuff on CKCC Radio, um, like Jeff Trelowitz in his plethora of shows. Um, I could use that same term for uh, CKCC founder Chris O'Mealy. Oh, God, I forget how many shows he's got. Eventually, I'd love to get him to guest on here. So, right here, I'm throwing out an open invite for Chris um, to join here. Because we can actually talk racing and wrestling because they're not that far off, if you think about it. Um, there's been a lot of crossover between the two over the years. And those of you who listened to previous episodes, I've touched on it a couple of times. But I think that'll be a fun episode when and if that does happen. Um, so we got we got all that. We got um, Adrian Cotton with Motivational Monday. Um, Jay Bunny's Music Hub. Um, Mark. Oh, God, I can't think of Mark's name. Oh, I apologize to all you other CKCC podcasters. Um I really do. Um, Jay Winger and his new show, you know, they do great work. Um, just because I'm forgetting names and I'm forgetting names of shows doesn't mean they're not good. Um, there's a lot of great content. I know I listened to Jay's um, a couple weeks ago, about a week ago, um, on the um, Assassin's Creed uh, series. And it was a very, very fun listen. A very great way to start off the um, his his new show on the network. But with that said, I'm Matt Hardman. This is the Race Nerd Podcast. We'll see you next week.